Welcome to Technology Labs podcast number 35. I'm Tom. I'm Rick. And our guest today is Richard van der Laarschot. Welcome, Richard. Thank you. Good. Nice to be here. Good. Good to have you. And uh, well, it's good practice for our listeners that uh, our guest introduces himself for the listeners. So uh, can you introduce yourself? Okay, so my name is uh, Richard van der Laarschot. I am a chief solution architect at uh, Capgemini and uh, especially the thought leader of our center of excellence, quality assurance. Um, I studied software engineering uh, at Eindhoven at the Fontes University of Applied Science. Um, started my career about 30 years ago in uh, especially the medical domain, uh, real-time embedded uh, software. And uh, hence also my interest in quality assurance because with all the FDA regulations, that's, that's a very hot topic there, of course. For the last 15 years, I've been uh, mostly active in uh, in high-tech industry uh, and where I also focus on, on quality and uh, automation of the uh, software engineering process for uh, lots of clients of uh, Capgemini. Great, great. Well, um, uh, we are going to dive a little bit deeper uh, today into a great topic uh, that's dear to your heart uh, but uh, but something that uh, that I'm busy as well so we are going to have a good conversation about hyper automation uh, but we'll dive into that uh, a little bit later because we'll start with a couple of tech updates Rick what's your tech update today my tech update is the artificial intelligence act which is new legislation from the European Union mm-hmm. and uh, recently I I saw this uh, document and and I downloaded it out of interest and of course it uh, well actually for such a document I was surprised that at least the document that I downloaded is only 12 pages so it's not too lengthy usually with uh, legislation I think of hundreds of pages Um, and also there's quite some uh, interesting things that that are helpful if you are in the field of uh, um, AI uh, and and IT in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things is they have a nice little pyramid uh, picture. And the pyramid is the risk-based approach um, because in this legislation, they say there are different levels of risk and uh, the lowest level of risk is called uh, low or minimal risk and there you have no obligations so you can do whatever you like with ai okay um because there's very limited risk Uh, why why is why didn't it start with no risk um because do you uh, can you imagine i I, I, uh, I think there's always risk and maybe it's a known which risk but it's always risk yeah i agree yeah if you apply to test engineering this is great quote that says no risk no no test so if there's no risk you don't need testing yeah and what i always uh elaborate then is no risk no test no development because no <laughs> risk means if this fails, <laughs> nobody has a problem. Yeah, so exactly. nobody needs it. Needs it yeah. So you, you shouldn't develop it because <laughs> otherwise you get trouble with something that nobody needs and you still yeah. need to fix it. <laughs> so it's, it's absolutely true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. So, uh, okay, so it starts with low risk. Uh-huh. Then we have limited risk. Then uh, the level is called transparency. So you need to be at least transparent about what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have high risk, and there you have regulated high risk AI systems. 
Um, okay. And I don't know if I have enough time, but otherwise I can dive a little bit deeper in. Mm-hmm. But the m- most important one to me, and also the one I wonder most about how is this going to work, is the highest level is unacceptable risk, and then it says prohibited AI practices. So ah. the European Union <laughs> is of the position that yeah. sometimes you have a very high risk and then they simply prohibit using AI. AI in that area. Well, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious how they will do that. Well, and of how course, to enforce it, you mean? Yeah, in, in, in within Europe, maybe you can do something about it. But if somebody in whatever, uh, in Tuvalu, uh, to, to uh, mm-hmm. name a remote island, they uh, uh, have some kind of AI stuff that we consider as unacceptable risk, you're never going to stop them. So No, no but, but I, can, yeah. I can imagine that, that, that if you uh, yeah. um, develop a, a, a flight uh, a system for an aircraft, that um, the European Union says you cannot use RA because eh, it's too too uh, inter- it's not transparent what mm-hmm. actually is happening then. Uh, so you can maybe in some strange country uh, do allow it, but the plane is now not allowed to fly over Europe. Yeah, yeah. Well, with planes, I I totally agree with your uh, example. But what happens with things that come via the internet? Yeah, but that's 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 al- already the case, right? There's a lot of things that are not allowed in a specific country, also IT related, that you can access. So there you have to pop. Uh, for example, a very good example is the downloading of uh, uh, of movies, for example, eh? the illegal downloading of movies. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, torrent sites, uh, for example, that uh, provide those those downloadables. Uh, and in the EU or in the Netherlands, for example, it's not allowed to download those because it's prohibited. Yeah. But you can access the site because it's just a website. Yeah. And uh, we do not have the... Re- yeah, well, there are some steps taken in order to prevent you from accessing a specific list of websites in the Netherlands, but then a new site pops up with a new IP link and you're good to go. So that it's, it's not possible to prohibit that. Uh, it's yeah, only okay. no, it's on the floor, right? still Because it is prohibited, yeah. you can still, when it is detected, give sure. a fine. Of, of course, yeah, 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 yeah no, for, and sure, and for sure. That's also yeah. what I see in this yeah. uh, European Act. It says uh, it is prohibited to place to the m- uh, to place on the market, or prohibited to put into service, and prohibited to use in the European Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. in your example with this torrent site, if you use it, yeah. then you, you, get a fine. you also can be uh, punished. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's exactly, as, as, uh, exactly the same with speeding. You're not allowed to drive your car higher than, what is it, 120 kilometers if there's a, yeah, a speed sign. Same and you thing. still can do that, but you're not allowed to do it. So you get a fine. Huh? Yeah. Also interesting is examples they give of these uh, unacceptable risks. Ooh, yeah. So that is AI systems that deploy harmful manipulative subliminal techniques. Ah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's really trying to manipulate people. <laughs> um, or AI systems that exploit specific vulnerable groups. Right. So the, uh, like with a physical or mental disability. Mm-hmm. Um, AI systems used by public authorities or on their behalf for social scoring purposes. <laughs> so like 
this is interesting. Huh? This is the kind <laughs> of thing that is happening in China right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah. in Europe, it's not allowed. Yeah. And it says real time remote biometric identification systems in publicly accessible spaces for law enforcement purposes, except in a limited number of cases. But so this is about oh. a face recognition yeah. on the street. So yeah. you cannot ah, do okay, face okay. recognition for everybody that walks by. Yeah. But probably if you're looking for a specific person and you know they're gonna come in a specific area, then you can use it. That's uh, probably one of these similar to yeah. yeah, similar to phone taps. But yeah. Indeed, if you can yeah. tap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you cannot do a blanket uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. approach because exactly. also for the risk of false positives, etc. So only targeted with good ruling yeah. from uh, yeah. Yeah. whatever uh, legislation that yeah. is allowed, terrorist threat, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but what I find it even uh, more interesting, and uh, that's not in this this ruling, is that with AI currently. Um, the, the, the patent offices worldwide have already said that if you make something with AI, you cannot have a patent on it. And why uh, not? Because, because, because it is not create, not your invention from a... Uh, patents can only be given to uh, um, legal persons, which can be yeah. uh, you or me or a company, yeah. but not to software. Uh, so, uh, so if you create something new in innovation uh, with with uh, AI, you cannot patent patent it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for companies, that is of course uh, very important that certain things will not be done with AI because it will not uh, be patented, and and that uh, there's a lot of money in patents. Well, but That's then yeah. the question is. Uh, what happens if I do an invention and I use AI as a tool? Because that that should that is allowed. Yeah, you and, can, and, and, and then allowed. you can that's only that's why you have all the, the all those uh, Microsoft Assist uh, yeah. Yeah. things yeah. now. The co-pilots and the yeah, because the co-pilots, yeah, yeah, yeah they, they help you out, and, and that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But you cannot. No, okay, um, so if AI have a patent on, on where he help you out only on the total product where yeah, you yeah, create. So, so if AI totally on itself uh, has an invention then there cannot be a patent but if i use ai to support my work and i invent something then it is and then you can always debate did i do half of the work or only one percent of the work but it's still yeah pat- <laughs> patents ca- uh, characterized by a couple of items uh, to be eligible for patenting and that's that it has to be new technology used in a way that uh, has not done been done before it should be yeah. able to be industrial scalable also and yep. uh, yeah and of course there's a couple of other st- stuff like like Richard for example mentioned the legal entity you have to have a legal entity to uh, to give the patent to so that's that's also part of it there's a couple of I, I, I think the, the key word that Rick just said is that if I invent, invent something with the help of that's that's exactly it you yeah. invented it yeah, yeah. if yeah. it is invented by the AI you did not invent yeah. it yeah that's true yeah and it's also very difficult to describe I think the patent if if the AI d- uh, invented invented between brackets it uh, it's it's still an algorithm that has used data to learn something and the outcome of that is the new invention huh? that th- at least that's how i picture uh, such a thing but how yeah. can you describe the patent because it's 
it's in the head of the AI or something, or in the algorithm and data combination of the AI. Well, how, how do you get it out? How do you describe it? That's also very difficult, I think. But yeah. yeah. Well, interesting topic. It, I mean, uh, yeah. It, uh, the, the pyramid, I, I like the pyramid approach for different risk levels uh, and how to, uh, yeah, how to use or how to work with AI in that, uh, in that respect. That's an interesting one to, uh, to look at it. And uh, yeah. from a testing perspective, then directly, okay, how can you yeah. <laughs> then work <laughs> with that uh, uh, given information in order to come with a, with a, with a test strategy? Eh? By, uh, yeah, to, well, to, uh, that of course is is one of the challenges with AI. Eh? And yeah. How do you actually test it? Yeah. But that you need to test it is mentioned in this act because for the high risk, eh, because the the, uh, the highest level is that you're not allowed to use it, but mm -hmm. the second highest level, there it says what you need to do. It says um, you need to comply with a range of requirements, particularly on risk management, Testing, <laughs> techni uh, technical robustness, data training. So that's about the machine yep. learning, uh, how the you train that. Part, yeah. Data governance, transparency. So that's also about explainable, explainable AI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, human oversight and cybersecurity. Oh yeah, okay. So okay. they give quite a nice list of the things you need to comply with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can see those items and yeah. but they're also not too difficult to to implement, I would say. I mean, it, of course, it is it, it is work, but these items are not new. Let's put it like that, right? No, no, yeah. they are not. Yeah. So uh, that, that we we can use common practice in order to uh, yeah to quite easily implement AI solutions. Then that's the conclusion of this story, right? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, maybe one of the other things that, that we have to, uh, or that people who want to implement AI solutions have to keep in mind is the accept, uh, acceptance factor. Then do people accept that yeah. AI is taking a decision or is, is uh, controlling something or is giving you an output or something like that? Yeah, that's and the most difficult part of it. On the other hand, with, the, uh, uh, with time, people will become used to it right. and then they will accept it more. And that's similar to all uh, <laughs> other technology uh, advancements uh, that the, the the first train uh, or or the first tram uh, the streetcar yeah. a man with a red flag had to walk <laughs> in front of it because it was so dangerous but <laughs> now you can't imagine that uh, we would do that anymore uh, yeah. but so and that also will go for this technology yeah yeah i guess so i guess so yeah um i have also uh, but let's keep this one short uh, tech update item and uh, it's all a very nice article basically that was the, the headline of this article that caught me of course it's always good to come up with a good headline so th this, this helps uh, the headline says are you ready for extreme water recycling extreme water extreme recycling extreme water recycling yeah Okay. Uh, you well. may guess what this is. Uh, what, yeah, how how do you uh, picture extreme water recycling? Uh? Well, maybe uh, wipe the sweat off your forehead <laughs> and try to recycle it. <laughs> Since today it's like maybe, twenty-seven uh, degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Sewer water or something. Yeah. Sewer water. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, I was also thinking yeah, first in all kinds of experimental things and all uh, high-tech appliances that that um, uh, harvest water from the air, etc., etc., that that kind of thing. But <laughs> when I was reading the article, it's it's basically, and I think this this idea exists for a very long time, is that you have a grey water system next to a white water system, and the white water system being the 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 drinkable, uh, yeah. the drinkable water and the gray water being water from rain basically so this is an article american article that they say hey in san francisco if you have a big building that spans uh, a lot of square feet in uh, 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 on the roof you can uh, collect a lot of water and you can use that in the building aha uh-huh. well so yeah that's so in showers and bathtubs <laughs> and washing machines and that kind of thing yeah. Uh, and, and okay, what they then add to it is that okay, you can reuse then that water again and again and again. So if you use uh, water the, for your washing machine, of course there's soap in it, but you can quite easily extract the water part re- from it yeah, and yeah, use so it again as grey water it. again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you don't have to filter it to extremes to make it drinkable. So that's basically the what they say. So in that sense, okay, it's a little bit new. Yeah, okay, but it, it's yeah it's it's not really surprisingly new eh? that this is something that yeah. has been done before no yeah uh, but maybe for the us it is new yeah exactly but because they say yeah. that they can uh, reduce the demand for new water uh, by 40 percent in doing this so if you use yeah. gray water for flushing toilets and washing clothes and uh, and using recycled water for uh, for showers uh, for example then yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, but I I do remember, and I think it was close to where we are sitting now, that there was an experiment in a new living area where they uh, tried to use uh, white water and grey water, and they quite quickly stopped with it, because uh, if somewhere in your home you confuse two of these pipes <laughs> you yeah. have the gray water in your uh, uh, normal taps and, yeah. and you drink it and then you may get seriously ill sure so yeah. so quite quickly they stop doing this again exactly Th- this is <laughs> also one of the reasons that it's not allowed in the US for now to use to, to make that uh, to make those two systems oh okay next because the risk of confusion is too too high yeah, yeah, because yeah. Uh, especially for flushing toilets, I can imagine this would be a very good solution. But for sure. Yeah. For showering, yes, I already doubt because... countries you have it, so... Yeah, I, I'm, I think in the, even in the Netherlands, where we live, uh, you can have uh, build a home and have this these two uh, systems installed in your home. Yeah, uh, they're usually, at least in my village, uh, there's already two sewer systems, one for rainwater and one for... Sewer right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, indeed. But but yeah. that's mainly because the rainwater is uh, uh, instantly uh, going into the canal or whatever that is near, whereas yeah, the without the uh, cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't get cleaned. It just goes in uh, mm-hmm. because I I live quite close to uh, some some kind of canal, and indeed our rainwater just goes into there. Yeah, and then you're also not allowed to wash your car on the streets, probably. No, no, because that water then will go into (laughs) the canal, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, well, yeah, it, it, at least it, this was a nice article uh, uh, d- describing all the options and uh, also um, of specifically because in, in this case, a, a city like San Francisco has tall buildings uh, and large buildings with multi-stories, uh, the, the recycling and reuse of water again and again uh, is interesting because they, yeah, they use gravity basically to uh, trickle the water down to all the apartments and then, okay, you have to pump it up again if you uh, are going to reuse it again. But mm-hmm. nothing else is needed. I mean, it's just there, basically. So, yeah, and, yeah. They, and they have yeah. kind of an infrastructure for that as well. They have these water yeah, uh, butts on the roof of uh, buildings a lot. They already have it huh, for uh, water pressure. Yeah. So th- they can use that, that mechanism easily. Uh, so that, yeah, that's a good idea. But would they be a low cost solution. Uh, low cost yeah. solution, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, on the other hand, they say yeah because of all kinds of rules, they think it's five to ten years away before this can really be allowed and uh, and be used. So yeah, kind of a pity, I would say, a missed opportunity maybe even. But uh, yeah, so uh, extreme water recycling. We are we are ready yeah. now. Now they have to be ready for it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to put it like that. Okay, uh, from uh, water extreme water water recycling and um, the AI legislation act to hyper automation, uh, because that's one of the topics at least, Richard. You are busy with. Yes, indeed. Um, maybe let's start with telling our listeners a little bit about what what do we think is hyper automation. What is what is all part of it, and then we'll dive, of course, deeper into all these different elements that make up hyper automation. Yes. So, so what is hyper automation? Basically, automating every repetitive task in the software engineering process. So it's not just um, limited to testing, although uh, we often start there. Um, but um, every repetitive task can be automated. Um, uh, of course, there is a cost-benefit uh, analyzing uh, there, but um, it goes much for, further than just, for example, uh, running your unit tests or creating a dashboard of that. Um, for example, we can also generate unit tests. Um, it's really not that hard to inspect your code, and if you have an if-then-else, then, then uh, you need to uh, uh, adhere to uh, both conditions, so you come in the then and then the else. And uh, and uh, it's it's very easy to generate unit tests that give you code coverage, 100% code coverage. Um, what the engineer, of course, still needs to do is adding some verify statements. Right. Uh, but um, you can already test if the code ne- nowhere crashes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ca- it is also um, when I talk about testing, uh, um, it has a connection with the shift left. Huh? So we want 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 to test as early as possible because then the costs are the lowest and you get the quickest feedback cycle. And um, that's one of the goals of of hyper automation. You see that. Currently, um, the, the the speed uh, of development has become a, a very important factor for some companies, a survival factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 it's no longer about how much does it cost, it's just you need to be faster than the competitor. Otherwise, you're out of the game. So uh, hyper-automation is very important there. Uh, so um, that can, uh, that the whole shift left can 
go shift from 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 automating testing also to automating coding, eh? going more in model driven engineering and generating codes, and um, a lot of things can be automated. So so it's the full product development process. All, all the automation, all all the activities that can be automated during the product development process is uh, we, we can uh, put under the hyper automation umbrella, so to say. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, so and if I understand it correctly, if you look at a CICD pipeline, then your goal is to automate the entire CICD pipeline and all the processes in it, probably except from writing the actual code, which you probably still need to do manually or partially well, manually. No, with no driven engineering, you don't need that. Yeah, yeah. You can automate that also. Okay, but then uh, you will have but, to but, but mod- uh, manually the make the model. Yeah. Then you have to create a model. Yeah, that is yeah, always okay. a manual task. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. for example, with um, with verifying your requirements, uh, the, the the products and systems become more and more complex. So you have a lot of requirements, and and just are they uh, consistent with each other? You can already do automatic requirement checking by making a generating a model from your requirements mm-hmm. and checking if it works. Yeah. That's not code for your product, but for, for verifying that your uh, requirements uh, are correct and that there are no, co- no conflicting requirements. Um, y- you can, of course, uh, th- what you mentioned CICD. Uh, so when we talk about CICD, most people just think about CI, yeah, continuous integration. Yeah. Uh, but the deployment is, is quite uh, uh, important there also and a very big step, uh, automatically deploying um, your product it's not uh, for every product of course but if you look at for example netflix uh, they are on the forefront if you are zapping to your guide to find a film then uh, uh, on average you have already uh, or updates in the in the two miniature browsing uh, (laughs) because they do that on the fly and they're constantly updating and they even uh, use um, um, approaches like let's uh, update and this in North America, this in South America, and see, uh, because not all the updates to everybody in one time, so that if something fails, everybody has it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, all kind of strategies you can do there, and data you get, get from it. Yeah. So, so it's... Yeah. Uh, so it's also kind of... So you do deployment and A-B testing in one, basically. Yeah, yeah A-B For testing example. in one, yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and also... Um, the connection from from a requirement to your test, uh, you can automate that. That uh, that if a test fails, you know which requirement is uh, not met, uh, or uh, all tests should be met should link to a requirement. Otherwise, you're testing nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, and then either you miss the requirement, or or you can throw away the test. And every requirement should have tests against them. Uh, because uh, otherwise you cannot uh, guard for your quality. Um, so that's really important. That's that's all stuff that can be automated and automatically uh, generated reports like, okay, this is where I have gaps and I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So hyper automation also not, in that sense, not an activity that's finished at some point in time. No, no, no. It's 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 in principle a a, a program that you run continu- okay. continuously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Um, so, so quality is always quality fit for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if the perp- the quality fits the purpose today, that same quality might not fit the purpose tomorrow because our 
requirements change or, or demands change, the, the, the world around us changes, registration changes, uh, as we just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you need to continuously improve. Um, they are needed, of course. Um, and that's why you uh, can continuously run that as a program. And I mean, uh, uh, mo most companies are working on, on at least continuous integration. If you just look at how many tools are involved with that, huh? to to do some uh, statistic uh, stati statistic code checks on your code and then run your unit tests and and uh, and and have a quality gate there that uh, you cannot uh, commit uh, your code if if something fails in that setup. Um, those tools in that CI pipeline, those. On a weekly basis, there are new releases with additional features, etc. So you need to keep up with that if you want to improve. Um, and you do not want to keep up for the sake of keeping up. Mm -hmm. You need to look into that, see what is useful. Do we need that now? And then you can maybe update two tools in your set. But that means that you probably need to configure and, and have the, the, the connections with other tools needs to be... Uh, slightly tinkered to get to work optimal yeah. again and, and fast enough uh, so it's a continuous process which really needs attention that's an interesting one indeed so you, yeah so of course I, I, I didn't even think about the tools that you use for your hyper automation that they also yeah. are are being updated and, and, and changed uh, along the way so it's a good point that you should take that into account and that's also part of the program I can I can see that um, uh, I was thinking about, okay, uh, yeah, basically what I was thinking about is actually where we started this episode, this podcast with, with this pyramid that was defined for uh, AI, right? Yeah. You can also position that within your hyper automation strategy, probably. So. Yes, yes. What well, we have, of course, uh, the the agile pyramid, uh, testing mm -hmm. pyramid. Yeah. Uh, which uh, and in every level level of that uh, pyramid, you can uh, automate uh, a lot of testing. And if you look at the the uh, the original uh, four testing quadrants from from agile, you see that they have some. Uh, guidance there like okay this you need to do automated this needs to be with tools this is manual mm -hmm. uh, several things that are said there that are manual we can already automate because yeah. our tools have become a lot smarter and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. basically the yeah. only thing we yeah. cannot automate is really um kind of the the the, uh, the monkey tests on on system level like you exploratory tests to yeah. to to really dive into things That's, um yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking more uh, on on that pyramid uh, perspective. Uh, the fact that you you uh, with AI, it was about applying AI, eh, and the, the, to the highest level, it's not allowed to use it. Yeah, I was I was thinking about okay, what uh, what parts of a um, product or the the production process? It's not the product itself, of course. We're talking about the process of creating a product. Uh, yeah. which you can automate fully. And well, actually, you already answered it a little bit with, with saying hey, the, there's always an exploratory test part. Yeah. You cannot say, okay, this is the highest level of risk, for example, and then automate everything and be, be done with it. Probably that's also the level where exploratory tests and other well, human interventions should yeah, take yeah, place well, in order to mitigate that risk, right? That is definitely what we often do in a test strategy. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. 
exploratory yeah, indeed, testing is, strategy. is yeah. often done for two reasons. One reason, if it's uh, low risk and it's not worthwhile to automate it because it's quicker to just have a quick look instead of automating stuff. Or additional to automated testing where you also want to have a person looking. Yeah. And uh, then I... I always like to mention that there is one reason why you should not automate all your tests because test automation tools are not able to see every problem and and my favorite example is just having a white screen and sending white letters to it <laughs> then the most test automation tools will say that it is a pass because it doesn't look at the screen which is completely white because you don't see white letters on a white screen but it looks win, on yeah, yeah. what kind of letters are sent to the screen and then most uh -huh. of the test automation tools will give it a pass whereas a person will say it's an empty screen yeah um, well this is this i must say this is also perfectly automatable and i have done it uh, at customers because it, it simply means that you do need uh, image recognition to look at the screen uh well so, yeah, but um, then, then you need a screen and a camera in front of the screen and then yeah, or, or, or what we usually do is a capture card that, that captures the frame buffer of the screen. Um, yeah, so you, okay. You, so you, you can you prove capture, that what's yeah. in the video card shows up one-on-one -on, -one on the screen. Yeah. And then uh, if you're proving that separately, and that's usually done by the, the video card manufacturer, mm -hmm. you can grab the frame buffer and use that to see what uh, it says. Yeah. And um, But you can also, so you, you grab the picture, for example, a bitmap from, from that frame yeah, buffer, and you throw that into an image recognition tool. Um, so I have done that for customers. Yeah, and that, okay. that yeah, works. That's a nice solution. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do end-to-end -end tests, and on every level you want to do basically an end-to-end -end test, test of the test pyramid. But but if you have, for example, a component or like say, let's say a class, and you just want to test the external interface, um, then you want to uh, any external dependencies can be stopped, so you can just do that in isolation. But the higher you come in 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 uh, the level of testing pyramid, so from uh, unit testing, component testing, module testing, integration testing, subsystem, system testing, the um, the scope usually becomes bigger, so it's harder. Um, but you can also test different things, eh? because if you have tested the external interface of a component, then on the next level you have interaction between components. You no longer need to test the interface, it's just about the protocols and the timings between them. And on the higher level it's about functional tests. Uh, so, so you can uh, divide and conquer here. <laughs> uh, and, and these test strategies are still very important. Eh? Uh, you, you, for speed, you often want to have some kind of smoke test, eh? a quick test that, that finds 80% of, of, uh, of the stuff. Uh, uh, because testing all the, the niche uh, um, flows through your code is, is very uh, expensive. And also in that sense, um, you can do risk-based things like um, both this is very important, so you should always test that, but also from history, it says that often this test case fails, so run that first. 
And a lot of people just, just say, okay, we have more and more test cases. We want everything. So if something fails, you create a new test case, which means you're not, you're not have a good match between your requirements and tests, but that's something else. <laughs> uh, but, but, but if you have that test set um, and you want to run that, uh, you still want to fail as soon as possible because that's the cheapest way to correct it. So don't run it just alphabetically, but look at your history of faults and, and, and about the risks of the requirements, etc. And then yeah. can AI help here as well, right? I mean, the, the last yes, example yes, you're yes. giving right now is, is typically uh, food for an AI engine to help you out here by making those choices based on historical data, based on yeah. choices. Made so we actually have some some very nice uh, AI modules at Capgemini where we uh, parse through the commit statements of your version control system. And um, and we match that with uh, history of testing, and then you can, for example, see like okay, if you commit code changes in this module or in this area of functionality, then we often have a mistake. So you need to uh, not just run a smoke test, but immediately run the full uh, cover test there. Or uh, when somebody submits a, a code change at uh, 10 o'clock on Friday night, then it's very suspicious <laughs> <laughs> and probably contains errors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's actually what, what comes out of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and so and you need to also yeah. be carefully with that yeah, uh, because yeah, we thinking... actually get results like this user has more yeah. and, and submits more errors than another <laughs> user. So, so, so you have to be careful with that. But yeah, um, yeah I was already but, thinking about the, the bias that you introduced <laughs> in, indeed that the specific uh, engineer is, is causing more errors than another one and uh, why is that etc etc but yeah, yeah big data can uh, give you a lot of uh, answers <laughs> and, and and not always ethical <laughs> uh, no no. You, to, no you have to be very careful with that how yeah. you uh, use that yeah that's true that's true but it's yeah. just, it just means you you might need to upskill that engineer and that 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 also improves your quality process again. Huh? Well, yeah, from the quality perspective, you're right. Yeah, yeah from but, quality, but there's yeah. another quality. thing that comes in play here, that the most experienced engineers often also get the most difficult problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it may happen that your most experienced engineer has the most problems in their software because it's the most complex software. Whereas indeed, the, indeed. The, the so you need to have common sense there. Yeah. 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 So AI alone can often not... Uh, Distinguish between that. No, indeed. But but the general idea that you describe is that you look at the risk of something and then based on the risk decide how to approach it. That's the common thing. Uh, and and yeah. um, that so if you look into hyper automation, you still have to look for where are my risks and uh, what do I want to achieve. Indeed, indeed, and and you you can, um, in theory, is it is not that difficult to test your complete code set with a uh, hundred percent code coverage, or even go through all the possible routes in your code. Um, it only and the only problem is that it becomes a test set that is so massive um, that you cannot in practice run this again fast enough for your software development cycle. So you need to do approaches like risk-based or, or only test the, uh, those things which can possibly in, be influenced by what is committed in code change. And uh, so you need to have some smart strategies there <laughs> to, um, yeah, to make it manageable. One of the strategies to use is test design techniques. 
yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. But and so, on the other hand, you can also think about uh, what you're saying, Richard, is that, okay, so it might be so big, the test set, it's not, it, it doesn't fit in your development cycle anymore, eh, timing-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, with all the cloud solutions around us, we should be able to scale uh, easily with, with all the demands for test engineer, uh, test execution eh, in this case. If so we hyper-automate everything, we have a perfectly fine development process that can, uh, well, that, uh, based on what we just uh, discussed, it can detect the best engineers because we know <laughs> that they have the most <laughs> complex parts and they deliver the, the most faults. In the, uh, to make it a little bit black and white in this case. Uh, yeah. uh, so it can scale, uh, so a cloud solution can scale and uh, we have no problem in running everything in, in, a, in a matter of seconds. Okay, this is a bit of to the extreme, but in theory uh, this would be possible, right? Um, I, I, I don't think it will be seconds, but, but okay. uh, in okay. principle you can scale up, yeah. but uh, don't forget the cloud is just somebody else's computer. Yeah. Um, exactly. so, so if you want to scale up in the cloud, you still need to buy a lot of um, computer time. Yeah. And it is more efficiently because there is no waste. Eh? If you have your own server park, when there's no tests, it's just cost sits there and costs money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not the case in the cloud. But still, um, there is there a, a a a balance between is it worth testing this? Eh? Uh, it's going to cost more and more at a certain moment, so you still want to have that cost benefit uh, analysis based on risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and uh, and what we can add to this is okay. We can say we we throw everything in the cloud and and it runs there and and it's good to go. But if you look at the high tech industry, and yeah, you you just in in the introduction that you mentioned, uh, you were working uh, for a very long time in the high tech industry. There's yeah. a lot of industries out there. And maybe not only high tech, but also in the medical uh, uh, industry or in uh, uh, you know, in in any industry where there's rules and legislation uh, due to privacy. In the defense industry, for example, they will not be that happy if you would put all the tests in the cloud and run them there. And uh, able, uh, let's put aside j- the j- code. Just look uh, yeah. at at a, at a big customer like ASML and and what's in the news now with the legislation yeah. from which is. Which they need to follow both the European and American. Yeah. Um, they they can not um, do things in the public cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, things need to be uh, be uh, in in more private clouds and encrypted, and and not everybody can have access uh, to everything. And uh, yeah, that that's uh, yeah definitely yeah. a concern there. And I can imagine that it, it's that it's needed in order to to meet all kinds of uh, requirements, security requirements that you can, okay, so you can, so you cannot run your code, eh, the, the new code for say, if you build a nice defense product, you don't want that code to be out there. If you develop uh, uh, a warfare material, you don't want to get it out there because then competition can take it over or com- com- competing countries, etc. Eh, that's not a good thing. but. And then you can say, okay, but but the tests can run in the cloud because it's only a test, right? And the test is is only tests only a module, but there's a lot yeah, of but, information but, but to be gotten. Eh, just in, uh, from what is test being case. tested, you can deduce exactly. already a lot. Exactly, the reverse yeah. engineering so, and, part or the configurations that you need that could be there. So yeah. You, yeah, yeah, and and don't forget that. Um, there are also other legislations. Eh? So, like for example, uh, the ASA, European Space uh, uh, um, Agency. Uh, Agency, yeah, it's 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 quite 
public domain in that sense, what they're doing. Huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But due to granting of the European Union, they are not allowed ah, yeah. to run clouds that are in, based in America, for example, <laughs> or in China. Yeah, yeah, and then and it's about granting funds, funding for specific projects, and they yeah. have to be run in a specific country or in uh, in Europe Indeed. or whatever. And, yeah. and, and also the engineers there need to be uh, a European and and things like that. So so what you have then is that, uh, well, big big companies of course can say that. Huh? So you if you run in Google Cloud, you can say, okay, I want to run in in area four, which is Europe then or something, mm-hmm. and uh, that, uh, so then they limit it to to that area. And that also means that there is a limit to the, the scope of your uh, cloud because <laughs> that's only the servers that are in, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and a lot of things to, to consider. Yeah, yeah. So we can hyper-automate uh, basically anything in the production process, right? Yep. That, that, that's that's the, 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 begin, the beginning principle of hyper-automation, I would say. Indeed. Uh, but there's a lot of considerations to be taken along the way to make the program, as you uh, called it uh, very nicely, uh, you put it very nicely, to make that program run. And you have to constantly adapt during the program because it's not a one-time action. It's not putting Uh, one test automation tool in place, creating test uh, automated tests and run it. Uh, It's a lot more than that. So there, there, there are different uh, levels of quality you want to reach for a product. Eh? I, I mean, uh, uh, an app on my phone can crash and just restart. Uh, you don't want that happening in, in a plane. Uh, that's uh, more uh, problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and medical devices have, of course, uh, other ratings. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, so the, the the quality of your product or system and the robustness thereof of um, also changes over time. Um, and also uh, very important, the speed in which you can engineer becomes more and more important. So that is also yeah. an important reason to do hyper automation. Yeah, yeah. Ah, the speed of engineering. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Okay, great. Um, yeah, uh, if I look at the time, uh, we're uh, almost uh, done already. Uh, I, uh, some final parting thoughts or top tips, uh, Richard, when when starting with hyper automation. Maybe for uh, our listeners, do you have something that uh, we can feed them to to kick off their hyper automation program? Basically, um, well, in general, I can say is uh, there are a lot of uh, capability maturity models uh, out there, mm-hmm. and um, assess where you are and where you want to be. So then you can do a gap analyzing and 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 make a roadmap for a program with projects that bring you to that target. Uh, but um, don't forget that by the time you reach the target, there is a new target. <laughs> This is a continuous process. Uh, so so um, companies that say uh, we will do a project now to bring this up to date and then we're all okay. Uh, no, there's maintenance, there, there, there is things changing in the world, and, and it is a continuous process if you want to be on the forefront with, uh, with respect to your competition. Um, it is something that uh, needs to be in, in the DNA of your company. That's a good point. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, yeah. Assess where you are, point where you want to go to, add it to the program, and during your program, continuously 
make sure that the point where you're heading towards is 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 uh, not the point where you already passed, but uh, ma- might be something completely. Yeah, and, my, and might change. Yeah, yeah might yeah, change yeah, also. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So basically, uh, agile working. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. that's that's yeah the, the combination of these uh, these activities. Nice. Okay. Um, well, Richard, thank you for your insights in uh, in the hyper automation topic. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. Thanks so. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and until the next podcast. See you next time.